John chapter 7 and verse 25. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. And Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. And I have not come. Of myself, but he who sent me is true whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. They have their own opinion and their own understanding of how the Christ should appear. The majority of Israel ignored Isaiah 53. That the Christ should not look in an extraordinary way physically. He was a human being. He was to be born of a virgin. He was to be conceived in the womb to enact divine creation for body to house him as he became incarnate, became flesh. They missed that. He should grow up as a tender plant. He should grow up despised by people and yet he should pay the price for the very same people who are hostile to him for their sins. They missed that. He should come to face much hostility and be led as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep to the slaughter. They had their own opinion. On the one hand, we need to know what God has recorded to have that foundation and baseline in which to begin to have our hearts stirred and our minds stirred by His Spirit to deposit the revelation that comes from God. First of all, we need to have the substance of His Word and we need the Holy Spirit then to reveal to us the essence of that substance. These people had the law of Moses, as the Lord would say, Moses is read all the time in the synagogues. And there were people who were very much entrenched in the Jewish rituals. They were taught the scriptures since they were very small. But they had their opinion. They had their blindness. As the Apostle Paul says, blindness has happened to Israel in part. And so for the believer, we must always evaluate every feeling, every opinion, by the Holy Scriptures 
revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we can go astray. Otherwise, we can do like these people and take offense at the truth and at God himself. The human framework, as we mentioned yesterday, human nature, apart from God, is all darkness with the glimpses of the shattered image of God that's been placed in every human being by virtue of being created after the one who made him or her. There's an image of God there that's been shattered and corrupted, but there's a propensity, there's an ability to still do acts of kindness and acts of sacrifice but it's coming from murky waters, a bitter stream. God comes and he cleanses us and gives us the restoration back to paradise to be filled with the Spirit. We need to know the truth of God by revelation to completely obliterate every private human opinion and feeling. Feelings are dangerous. Potentially dangerous. It's by means of feelings, means of ignorance and partial truth and lack of revelation, lack of spiritual eyesight that the devil can take one individual, two individuals, an entire family, masses, to do just what the people did, as we read in John chapter 6. Say, this is something that doesn't settle well with me. Therefore, I am leaving. After all, the majority couldn't be wrong, could they? These are people who worked. I'm sure they had college degrees. I'm sure they were people who had good knowledge about day-to-day -day existence and how to get by profitably. Thousands of them came to see the spectacle of the miracle worker and the truth proclaimer, Jesus Christ. They came looking for John the Baptist before. And he gave them the solid truth. They were convicted, but many of them didn't know what to do because not due to ignorance, they were told exactly what to do. He was a burning light, Jesus said, and he made the way plain for them to be all set and ready to receive Jesus when he comes. But they were upset within their system because, as Jesus would say, the truth had no place in their lives. They were wringing their hands. They heard, and something was revealed. The blindness came off, but they rejected the light. A lot of them did. But then there are a lot of them who received. And there are certain points in our lives, in the life of a church that is spirit-filled, where there will be massive revival. Whole towns and villages, whole regions can experience massive revival by the Holy Spirit, where everybody is all of a sudden stirred to pray for themselves, for each other. Love abounds, and their focus is on the Savior. But then there are times in which 
there will be a great hostility. We see them in the Lord's ministry. God, who made heaven and earth, who made mankind in his image, when he came into the world, we read in the beginning of John's Gospel, he came to his own, and his own rejected him. There are times in which there was popularity, and there was brutal hostility against the Savior. How could that happen? Well, we read also recently that the Lord did not entrust himself to just anyone who would say, we love you. You are fantastic. You're on fire, Jesus. The way you speak and the way you talk and the things you communicate and the things you do. Oh, get him. Somebody grab him. and Put that crown on his head. We want him to be our king. It's written that he just walked away from them. He didn't care about man's opinion because it was very finicky, flaky, changeable, malleable. But then there were those who, like Peter, although he was not all too wise in some of his statements, there was a basic integrity there, except for the time when he betrayed the Lord and that happened through fear. But there's a basic sense of Love for God overall. He was not a deceiver, a conniver, one who smiled through his teeth and then had a dagger behind his back like Judas. Why are these things in Scripture? Why does God go to great lengths, especially in the Gospel of John? You see the Lord confronting human nature because God wants us to know, do not trust in yourself. Apart from the Spirit of God changing you to become what you ought to be, what I ought to be. Place no confidence in humanity apart from the Savior. Because although they can put a man on the moon, they can search the depths of the ocean with sophisticated, advanced technology, although they can get together and consider the world's problems and decide how to solve the poverty problem and how to solve the racial problems and the problem, the war between the classes according to their economic strata. Man tries a whole lot. At the end of the day, no one has a remedy for sin. No one. It's God himself who can overthrow sin and Satan in our lives, in our families, in our nation, in the world. Jesus came to give his life and way before he went to the cross. He poured out. Notice it says he cried out. He loved and he was there to give for those who would receive. But Human opinion is a dangerous thing and human feeling can be potentially dangerous. Be careful. Whenever you get a feeling that something doesn't settle well, make sure you go to God and say, Lord, is it my private feeling? Is there ignorance involved? How often we'd like to flock to people who praise us for our opinions. It's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it human nature to go to people 
who would make us feel good even if they don't tell us the whole truth. That's human nature for you. God says it can take you to hell because many people feel great when they're around certain people but they're all headed down that cliff together. But when God comes with the truth it unsettles human nature. It unsettles our peace. What? God, Jesus Christ coming to disrupt peace? If that should happen that means the quality of that peace is absolutely fragile, flaky, and fake. He comes to give the genuine peace that comes from truth. Hallelujah. God's truth comes. A lot of things will be unsettled because he means to throw out the garbage and help us to do so. Human opinion human interpretation of the scriptures. That's why you have volumes and volumes and commentaries upon commentaries and Bible schools and churches and scholars as well as lay preachers tech savvy and high on the information age full of facts and figures concerning the scriptures and doctrine utterly devoid of spiritual life. How can that be? Human nature. Human opinion human feeling. Well, I don't think that Jesus really meant this. They have uh, religious churches and establishments advocating gross immorality in their very doctrine. They have churches that advocate homosexuality and they have clergy who practice that and much more. And they feel perfectly peaceful. They love each other. How could it be so wrong? They're unified and they meet together. They build. They labor together. They want to spread God's love. They believe that traditionally people have been in the dark ages by stating that homosexuality is wrong. No, embrace it. Why don't you be the real you? Come out of the closet. You don't have to be what some person said or some establishment. That's all backward mentality. That's oppression. That's injustice. That is slavery. Your civil rights are being violated. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is not yours because of some bigot. Go find yourself a church in a place where they'll embrace you. Love without discrimination. Oh, how beautiful. God says the love without discrimination comes from Him and from those who follow Him who say, everyone's welcome. Everyone. No matter the sin, no matter the lifestyle, no matter how vicious and brutal a person's background, how perverted, even bestial. God is able to change and people in Corinth were addressed by God the Holy Spirit through the Apostle. He said such were some of you. Don't forget where he came from. God loves everyone but he loves us so much that he shows us 
that if we hold on to our opinion, our feelings, our affinity for everything contrary to God's truth and revelation that's now coming, it'll lead to destruction. It's actually a lie. No wonder people aren't happy, though they seem to have all the freedom and they say, I'm the freest person. You can't tell me what to do. Nobody dictates my day, who I marry, who I hang out with, what I do with my life, my body. I remember as a, as a child going to the local library on school assignments, finding books on uh, men and women saying our bodies and our rights and our feelings and a full-blown exploration into a person's native desires and how we need to appreciate that and go with the flow. Wherever your heart leads you, when you wish upon a falling star, whatever your heart tells you, you got to follow your heart. you got to follow your heart. These people were following their hearts. They said, the Messiah can't be like this. Whoever heard of God saying that this is wrong and that's wrong? We know what Isaiah said. But the veil was there. We need to understand the phenomenon. And that is, any person, as Jesus said, we read just yesterday, any person that does God's will will know exactly who God is and what He's about and what he's revealing at the moment. But a person who has lack of integrity and they're taking the scriptures and they're manipulating the scriptures to suit their own end and they won't have it any other way and it becomes fisticuffs. If anyone challenges them, that person has no integrity. They really want to serve themselves and they want to use God in the scriptures to do so. That's the problem. The Lord is diagnosing the human condition. So much self-deception. And even if ignorance can be used as an excuse, the Lord says, now you've seen me. Now you've seen my works. The light has come. What are you doing about it? And so his verdict is always just. And we're called to listen to him and say, Lord, if you have to change everything in my understanding, everything, O oh Lord, so be it. Paul the Apostle, Peter the Apostle, had such a radical and revolutionary change in their lives. Peter, after being born again, after being with Jesus Christ, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, after having a tremendous impact on people by the thousands because of God working in and through him. In Acts chapter 10, you see, he heard the latest thing from God, which was a complete change in his way of thinking. When the vision came down, and told Peter, you see all these different creatures that are not lawful for a Jew to eat, according to God's regulations given, 
previously through Moses. He said, now I want you to eat it. He was showing. You need to get ready to embrace other people outside of Judaism, outside of Israel. I'm opening the way, opening the way to the Gentiles. And don't uh, be prejudiced. There was a time in which God kept Israel separate. But it was, a, it was a time in which he was training them to not do what the pagans did. And he gave them a peculiar, specific set of laws and regulations to show that his wisdom rules over all his wisdom is the truth. It's not that he's contradicting himself, but there's a progressive revelation. And at that point, because Peter had integrity, and that's the point, you and I, if we have integrity, according to the light that God's given us, we're no longer in darkness. When God has put his finger on certain things, we say, Lord, this has to go. I'm following you. Keep teaching me, Lord. Oh, Master, continue to reveal to me. We can be ready for the latest thing from the Holy Spirit. God says, I want you to change your mindset about this. Oh, my God. Peter said, not so, Lord. I've never done this, Lord. He said, what God has made clean, don't you call unclean. And Paul the Apostle, when he surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus, everything changed. And as he continued to walk with the Lord, he had more and more revelations. Beloved, the Christian life is a life of continuous revelations from God. Anything less than that denotes an absence of the living spirit who continues to speak to the church today. Continues to work in us, to perfect us, and to keep us in God's program to save multitudes through us. How wonderful that God shows us to be utterly open his truth and to know the difference between people who say I'm embracing truth I'm embracing love and I want to spread love and truth but they're in perversion and darkness and manipulating the scriptures and they're factitious and they have their own groups who say who said this is wrong I think I think that shouldn't even be in the Bible I think that is probably a scribal error when God said that you need to be uh, morally pure. Who defines moral purity? They go off making their own sermons, sketching their own version of Christianity, and they have dinner together. They sit down. They have their banqueting feasts, and they get on buses to go to Washington, D.C. to march for this and march for that. Oh, they're full of activity. What a vibrant, living church in the community. The Holy Spirit is not there. But that's human nature. If we don't have revelation from God and if we don't fear the Lord, and if we don't listen, this man, they said, we know where this man is from. He cannot be the Christ. They missed what Isaiah said, what David said in Psalms, the book of Psalms, what the prophets prophesied. How do you miss all of that? And you have the scribes, you have your teachers, 
you have the Pharisees, you have your temple, you have your sacrifices, you have uh, scrolls and parchments, you have Hebrew class, you have everything going on. But you're missing the revelation from God. Jesus cried out. He said, you both know me and you know where I'm from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him. Why would you want to take down a man who said, you're not getting what God is saying through me. I've come to give you life. Drop your human opinion. Be open for God to touch your human nature and transform it. Don't go by your opinions and feelings. There's one thing that's a, a devastating, tragic flaw in our current generation, perhaps more than any other generation, since the dawn of man. It's this high-mindedness and highly opinionated culture. It's a disease in the church at large. First of all, not willing to see what God says on a matter. Already made up my mind. I know what I feel and what I think. And I don't care what you can show me in the scripture. It's a dangerous thing. And you have people who say, I do care. Please show me. But as they see it and they look at the face of the one who's speaking or sharing it, there's a foxy kind of look, if you will. Herod the fox, as Jesus said. There's a deception. There's a rejection of the truth. There's a mischief in the heart. They speak like they want to know. Show me, show me. But in their works, in their hearts, they don't want to know. In fact, I reject that because I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. And I know God loves me. See you later. Oh, my Lord. How grieving to a parent Christian parent to see a Christian raised child bred in the church bred in Sunday school to say your version of Jesus is not my version of Jesus okay you're going to have to accept it otherwise you can stick with the old fashioned very restrictive Jesus. I'm going to enjoy my freedom-loving Jesus. How grieving it is to see a child reject the truth and continue to pursue darkness. Now, how much more grieving would it be to God, our Father, if we should not mature and grow up out of that immature reasoning ability injecting our feelings and notions, our whims, our opinions and majority opinion into what God is saying God says drop that if you want to grow you have to see how God patiently shows us our own selves in the mirror where we are able to understand that why am I so quick to get angry 
when I hear the truth. Why am I so quick to reject the truth in this area? The other area is okay, but this area, it's really hitting home and it's not pleasant. And how human nature would flock to those people that would give that superficial comfort and uh, affirmation and empowerment. God didn't come to give any of that false stuff. He came to give the real thing. He came to empower Peter. He said, listen, when you're converted, Peter, you're going to have a fall. Because you're not watching and praying. But I can see the basic integrity, but we didn't need to fall. You see, we learned from that. We don't look at Peter and say, well, Peter, look how God used him. And so it's okay if I have a fall too. That's not the purpose why God recorded these things. He said, these things are written as examples. that We don't fall in the wilderness like they lusted and fell in the wilderness. How many? 23,000 people. Who? God's people. How? They had their feelings and opinions. They were led by the flesh and not the spirit. They had Moses there. They had the law. They had everything they needed. Everything they needed to do like Moses and Joshua and Caleb. But they talked a lot, you see. There are a lot of little clubs around. And uh, there was a Dathan. There was an Abiram. There was a Korah. And they all got together and said, listen, we don't need Moses. We got enough. Even if God used them, now we are pretty well established. Uh, let's gather together about 250 men. Let's do our own thing. Uh, we can have our own uh, sub-religion going on here. What does he think is this Moses? God speaks to us too. For the believer today, we're entitled, we're privileged to have God speak to each of us. Hallelujah. But it will always be according to his own revelation in the scriptures and it will always lead to holiness. Real humility more and more as we grow in Christ. Real integrity. A tremendous agape love founded on the truth. That's how you know that you really are hearing from God. These four pillars, if you will, will keep us stable and steady and strong be pillars in his kingdom and in heaven one day. These people didn't want to hear it. They don't care about integrity and who's speaking here and they had their instant input. They began to be hostile. Look at this. The Lord just spoke a few words. He didn't say, listen, you're rejecting me as Christ. I'm going to call thunder right now and lightning and that's it. He just said, you both know me and you know where I'm from and I've not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Speaking about the Father, what do they do next? They want to grab him. Then they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Sometimes we have questions. If Jesus is really the Son of God, how could these people even get so close to him to try to grab him? Uh, the other time, how could they rush him out of the synagogue and try to try to throw him over a cliff. How come he's getting bruised on the cross? And how come so much trouble? This doesn't make sense. This is God the Son. He's supposed to come and just take over. I mean, he's God. 
why so much heartache? And look, his, he has a headache, and he's by the well at noontime, and he's tired, he's hungry, he's sleepless. He's constantly meeting the needs of people, and it doesn't seem like a pleasant life of peace, really. The assessment from human beings, apart from the revelation of God, can completely blind them, make them miss God's whole plan, and so in our lives. The cross is something that will be uncomfortable to human nature. The cross is something that will demand crucifixion of the self. The cross requires humility to allow the operation of the Holy Spirit to completely take away a dreaded old human nature so that the divine nature, as Peter says, by the Holy Spirit can take over my life. In these days, God is causing people all over the world who believe in Him to be able to discern the different spirits that are at work within the church. Twisting the truth making it convenient. A crossless gospel. A lot of smiles and a lot of handshakes, a lot of high fives, a lot of hugs, a lot of uh, review with the music and technology of our camping out together by the lake. Isn't it beautiful? We had our youth go out there. Wonderful time. And look, we did this, that, and the other thing. And we had a retreat for men and women. And I just felt, you know, I cried the last day of that event. And a lot of things happen, but is there an increase in personal holiness? It has to do with the cross, because it means that we have to die to ourselves. And God will continue to work that cross in our lives. Is there an increase in genuine humility? Preferring others before I prefer myself and my rights? Uh, my understanding that I need to speak less and listen more? in God's presence? Is there really an increase in genuine love where I'm willing to take the slap in the face, on the face? I'm willing to give my life for the sake of the truth for which Jesus was crucified and the apostles, many of them were martyred. And even today, many of our brothers and sisters are going through tremendous pain, tremendous suffering because of Jesus Christ, the truth. Am I willing to humble myself and be holy and really love God like that? Am I willing to, first of all, concede and say, Lord, I need more work instead of feeling empowered and I feel great all about making myself feel good and other people feel good. We don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, do we? I don't want people to think I'm judging them. All of these insinuations from Satan to prevent us from following Jesus the way of the cross.
real love that will speak the whole truth and this integrity that Lord I don't care about other people's opinion about me as much as I care about the truth that you see about me ever speak the truth to me Lord ever give me that living water Lord ever feed me that living bread from heaven Lord oh my God I'm hungry I'm thirsty feed me fill me Lord till I overflow with your life oh my God I don't want to live the Christian life in an imperfect way when you're the perfect Christ who's living in me continue to work in me Lord help me Lord help me to love you and help me to represent you well and help me to be able to discern the different spirits at work Lord because you said many spirits have gone out into the world many spirits have gone into the world where? from hell even Satan transforms himself to appear as an angel of light we need to be very careful these days we need to know that Jesus is a God who gives wisdom and discernment so that we can be safe and not let astray Jesus was diagnosing again the condition of these people and they wanted to kill him. But God has his plan and so in our lives even if we go through hardship which we surely will if we follow Jesus if we go through uh, unjust criticism ostracization being uh, pushed away and rejected and as the Lord said when men should revile you. People speak bad about you and separate you from their company. If I'm still led by human feeling, I won't be able to stand the test or follow the cross. The path of the cross. But when I understand how my Lord suffered and how He lived and how He spoke the truth and how it didn't matter what happened to him and what people said. He will not deny the Father the mission that the Father gave him. Hallelujah. To be one with Jesus like that. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? And this is the paradox, if you will. It seems to be opposing or conflicting ideas you see that many people rejected him. And yet, it also says many people believed on him. And even among the class of priests, it's written in another scripture, many priests believed on him. But then how did the majority reject him? This is the timeline that we can trace in the life of the Christ where there are seasons, as I mentioned, now and then. And so it is with us in churches that are true to God, in individuals there will be seasons of mass revival there will be seasons of tremendous testing persecution period the Lord has laid it all out He said I'm training you to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ no longer entangled with civilian affairs you have been Drafted by the captain of your salvation. He's the only one you look at. Hallelujah. Just as a person makes a vow when they get married, 
for better or for worse, how much more with the Lord? And we know, in the case of our relationship with the living God, whatever seems to get worse, will always get better. Hallelujah. Because He's the victor. Hallelujah. He's Almighty God. And through the period of that testing in the crucible of affliction and persecution, for every one that is godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, the Bible says. And saying, Lord, at points it may feel like it's crushing me, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if faith is present, and we are taken to the second wind, Hallelujah. Though it's painful, there are stitches, as they say, in the ribs, and you're running with endurance and with full speed, and all of a sudden you run out of steam, and you feel like everything is against you. My system is shutting down. God, the air is so thin, I can't get enough of what I need to keep running. God comes and he gives us the second wind from heaven. The Holy Spirit to lift us up to another level, as we read yesterday, Romans chapter 8. The Spirit of God comes and He quickens this mortal body to do something that we never expected it to be able to do because of God's power. To be able to withstand persecution even to the point of death and to be able to speak without premeditating supernatural intervention where the Father is present with you fully the Son is present with you fully and the Holy Spirit is present with you fully. And He says, don't worry. I'm with you, my child. A little longer, a little longer. Hold on. You continue to follow the holy path of the cross. Continue to speak the truth. and I will be with you. And give you such a mouth of wisdom that your enemies would not be able to withstand it. We saw that in the life of Stephen. This is Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the Christian life, the Christian journey. This is the path to glory. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. That Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. He said, I see everything you're doing. You're trying to set a trap for me. You're trying to take me by force. A lot of murmuring and complaining. A lot of uh, gainsaying. And a lot of lies abounding. People have these fancy garments. They have authority. They have a, a place in society. They have a lot going for them. And look, there's more than one priest. There's more than one Pharisee. You have a whole society of people. The majority of people who are in the Word. Why would people who are in the Word of God, in the law of God, teaching the people the law of God, why would they want to kill the very person who gave the truth to them? What happened? How does that happen? It's written 
in the epistles because they hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, they have God's book in their hands, in their minds, but their hearts are far from the truth in their practice. This will always repeat itself until the Lord comes back. Where people who have the Bible go to church and even preach, there will be an animosity and hostility rising, a gnashing of teeth and a wringing of hands, saying, oh, I wish I can choke that preacher, that man, he's coming, that lady. What they're saying is piercing right through. And we don't like it. What do you say we try to do things to get rid of him? How does that happen? As easily and as plainly as it happened for the Lord Jesus with these people. He said, I'll be with you a little longer. You won't have the truth always available to you. I've come to give you the truth, but you've just showed and proved yourself to be as evil as I had seen you from heaven. Oh my Lord. It's written about God concerning Sodom and Gomorrah that after he revealed to Abraham what's going to happen to those cities. He said, God came down. He said, I'm hearing this cry come up. Commotion. I'm hearing a lot of sinful talk and evil actions. Demonic perversions. Noises from that kind of activity. It's reaching up to heaven. Enough is enough. It says God came down to see. Just like in the Tower of Babel. Came down. God gives such a long rope. And that's the danger. And that's the uh, part of the gospel that people don't want to hear. They want to hear about love. They want to hear about, even if you deny God, and you're faithless, He'll be faithful. Well, if we try to interpret that out of context and say, you know, I backslid for a long time and God didn't leave me. Hallelujah. That he didn't reject us altogether and he came looking for the lost sheep as we heard yesterday. And that doesn't mean that we have license to take that quote of scripture from the book of Timothy out of context because that's talking about people will deny him and he will deny them. And if they're faithless, he remains faithful saying that he cannot deny his own nature. Not that he'll forever say, I will keep the ring on. You keep the ring on. We're married forever. Even though you're adulterous and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and you're bringing so much corruption and you're trying to defile my kingdom. It doesn't work that way. That should put that holy fear in people that God will separate from certain people if they continue to persist in sin. We see that all over the scriptures. And he told these people, I've come to you to give you your last chance. Oh, Lord. And he said, the time is coming where you're going to look for me no more. I won't be available. Then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go? that we shall not find him. Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Is he, is he going to steal away from uh, the Jewish people here? 
Is he looking to start another branch? What is this thing that he said? You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Again, because of their feelings, because of their opinions, because of their own interpretation, they missed it from the beginning. And it is a caution. Every time we read scripture, it's not simply that we can look at it historically and uh, look at it according to what has already happened and just put that to the side and file that away. That I know how they treated Jesus and, you know, he did have a showdown there and there was a confrontation and, and I did study the stages of his ministry and it's all well and good. But for me, it really doesn't have any personal application. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. There's something God wants to say. I must be careful not to open my mouth when God speaks. That goes for every one of us. Everyone who would be a true disciple. What disciple ever interrupted the teacher? And said, let me give you some opinion, teacher. Then you can continue your teaching. On the last day, look at what they missed. They were so full of their opinion, full of their feelings. They never checked their feelings. We, it's important for us, even as believers today, even if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, to always check our feelings and say, Lord, am I feeling right? Can you check my temperature? This feeling I'm getting, Lord, oh, my Father, is it from you? If not, I don't want any part of it, even if it feels like that feeling is something that is right. I don't trust myself, Lord. This flesh, this old nature that tries to get in, I have to reckon it crucified and keep it down and put it to death. I want the Spirit to work in me. They missed what God had because now he's going to speak about the Holy Spirit. Peter said, the promise is to you and to your children, to all who are far off. This that we're, they're waiting for. These people missed everything. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood. Do you know the timing of God's visitation in your life? As he said to the people who said, I will decide when I want to do what I want to do and God will bless me and God will come to me. And we're not you know, restricted and legalistically bound by having to go at set times and do something like this and we're free God is with me all the time he'll never fail me never mind his plan his calendar his day-to-day uh, -day schedule for me I'm free and there's nothing that I need to worry about regarding that but there are set times as the Lord said that you're going to look for me at a certain point, you won't find me. We have witnessed that firsthand. There have been people who have heard and they have marveled. They've even come to our very homes years ago. They've tasted of the supernatural quite tangibly. But they were highly opinionated, opinionated and they thought, we can get this any time and we can just continue and they backslid. We need to know when God is speaking, when God is working. There's a set time. There's a visitation time. 
we need to say, Lord, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The Holy Spirit is about to be poured out relatively soon after the Lord finishes his ministry and his atonement for all mankind. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This was for those people who really believed in him. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. This is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? There goes that human nature. We have to be careful. As we mentioned yesterday, not only the voices that can come from within, but voices from other people. God says, test the spirits. Does that mean that everybody will see ghosts coming in and out? Like a revolving door? And all of a sudden you see this figure there pop up and that figure and I'm testing the spirits. Are you from God or are you not? No. The devil is too clever for that. He will work through people. He will try to work through your own mind. We need to test every notion, every feeling, Make sure nothing is of private interpretation and we are close to the Lord saying, Lord, keep me in the righteous path. We don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. But we need to be careful and exercise discernment and pray for it. We need to pray for that. If we really desire wisdom and discernment, we need to pray. We need to have that longing and say, Lord, I don't want to go straight. Perhaps you've spent the majority of your Christian life being led astray, and you see the fruit of that. And, but nothing seems to get solved because we're amongst people who are just like that. And then the Holy Spirit takes us aside and He shows us something and He says, I want to lead you precisely in the path of victory. Right through the dangerous valleys as you follow the path of the cross, I'll bring you out. I'll bless you. But you've got to listen. Some of them said, can't be the Christ coming out of Galilee. Uh, has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David? Well, where is David from? He's from Bethlehem. So they're trying to understand based upon their calculations, uh, based upon partial knowledge, So there was a division among the people because of him. And the people say, why can't we just agree to disagree? You know, the churches, when God is working in a particular church and real revival is happening, people are getting set free from the clutches of Satan. Their eyes are opening up and they're doing spiritual battle with the forces of evil 
and they're winning by the grace and power of God, by the revelation of God. Their bodies are getting touched and healed. Family members are changing. Restoration is happening. God's word, prophetic word is being fulfilled. The Holy Spirit is working. There will be other churches who say, well, we don't exactly believe what you believe, but can we, can we get together? We have had experiences like that where they said, why don't we come together and have a potluck dinner? It's a wonderful way to get to know the community of believers. After all, we're all from God. We just have a, a little bit of different tastes, you know, with certain things. And the problem is light and darkness do not mix. Someone says, will you go so far as to say that? That certain churches have light and others have darkness? We know enough of the truth here. Know that that's actually the truth. And that God says, in certain cases, you're not to mingle because that would signal a compromise of the truth. And also, a move from the enemy to bring confusion into what I've led you into. There's a, of necessity a separation as the Lord gave Israel. Strict commandment. Don't mingle. You see, there's a time when the ripening of the revelation happens where God will open the door to touch different people. But if we prematurely, because of our own feeling an opinion, step out to do good and to love on people. Neglecting the potential compromise of the truth. And that won't be real love. It will bring confusion and disaster. We'll be simply wasting our resources, not being led by the Spirit of God. But that would make one very unpopular, wouldn't you think? When everybody is doing the same thing, that's where the hostility comes. Why aren't you in on this? We're trying to help the community. We want the brotherhood of all the people here. We want to love each other. We just have different denominational um, understandings. But then what happens next? The more we get together, what happens there could be a potential confusion where uh, some of the people from the other churches can begin to say and argue, well, I believe that all believers get the Holy Spirit when you get born again, and there is no such thing as a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why entertain that? And why be led into a potential snare thinking that, well, that's a perfect opportunity to teach them how often believers think they're strong when they're not and they're led by the flesh and not by the spirit. You need to be careful to be led by the spirit, to love people and to help as led by the Holy Ghost. Don't you think the Holy Spirit wants to help people more than anyone else? God loves people more than anyone else? But there are times in which he says, don't do this. Judas said that alabaster alabaster box full of that expensive perfume. What a waste! 
we could have brought it to the community church councils and uh, taken that money and just fed a whole bunch of homeless people. What a waste. This lady doing something ceremonial. and It was God and Jesus who said, the poor you always have with you, me you don't have always. She's done a good work. What? Having all this surplus and this money available, you're not going to feed the homeless because you're honoring God? It doesn't make any sense. But we're talking about God who's saying it. How these lessons should hit home and we should say, Lord, how many times could it have been in the past that my entire opinion, my judgments are off from your truth? Oh, Lord, I thank you for all these things in the scriptures that I can long and yearn for the leading of the Holy Spirit in everything. I really, Lord, don't want to jump to conclusions anymore. I don't want anyone's opinion, Lord. I want to know what you think. Lord, I want to know what you think about me. I want to know what plan you have for my life. Lord, I want to be led by your Spirit. I want to be able to do what you want me to do and nothing else. Lead me, Lord. That kind of leading and that kind of ability to be in God's perfect will day by day comes when a person is willing to do his will, understanding that they need God to teach them and train them. Real discipleship. Learning from the Lord daily. Having a heart that would be humble enough to say, I could be wrong because I don't know the scriptures. I could be wrong because I don't have the correct interpretation. And I'm learning how to discern between the truth and error. And I've understood that if I'm not led deeper into holiness while I'm claiming to walk with Jesus as a disciple, deeper into integrity, real integrity, real humility, real love, then I'm not being led by the Spirit of God. And how? I can just not even consult with the Word of God or the Spirit of God and keep on going my merry way as a Christian because I do Christian things and I'm involved in charity, I'm involved in community help, I'm involved in uh, doing things for the church, I'm involved blind, leading the blind into the ditch. It's God telling us to sober up. Well, this Christ must come out of Bethlehem, so it can't be Jesus. There's a division. Now, some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. How many times will people try to grab Jesus, hurt him, and arrest him? What's going on here? Time after time, they keep coming after him. There's a division. There's a, a revival. And there's a devil working also. And that is how it is in our lives. We are called to know the plan of God. And if we walk with God intimately, God will reveal things in the future also. Isn't that marvelous? That we don't have to go moment by moment with limited vision. God can open our 
spiritual vision so that we can begin to know what he wants to reveal to us about the future, how to navigate the future, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to have the fruit of the Spirit to know that we're genuine disciples. As we close, genuine discipleship involves the cross, which means a real crucifixion of the whole old nature. Every opinion, every feeling, put it to death. And say, Lord, I want your truth. And I want my emotions to be touched by the Holy Spirit so that I act and react according to the nature of Christ in me. We can ask God for these things, but who would ask for these things? Who would pray prayers like that? Not the majority. We can be assured of that because look at the state of the church at large. And yet there's a revival happening. We want to be part of that revival from the Holy Spirit. We want to be among the remnant who are truly the wise virgins who make sure they are filled with the Holy Spirit, have that oil, watching and praying, longing for the Savior and saying, Lord, every day I've got to have an impact to drive out the kingdom of darkness and to expand the kingdom of light. Jesus is the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. but will have the light of life. The truth and light, the way, the life, they are all ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. His path will invite much persecution and hostility for every believer especially at certain times. At the same time, there will be a glorious, glowing testimony that we are approved before God, rightly dividing the word of truth, laboring in the word day and night, loving God, sitting at His feet, receiving the instruction for the day and for the future as He reveals it by His Spirit. Shall we pray? In fact, I'd like some of you to pray, whoever would like to pray, heard the word, then we'll conclude.